0: You're listening to the Hall Vineyard podcast. To find out more about the Hall Vineyard Church, go to hallvineyard.co.uk. Um, good morning, everybody. It's quite a bright light. It's difficult to see you all. I want to try and connect with you as well. So it's, it's just great to see you all this morning. A very warm welcome to those who are in the building and uh, to those who are joining us online. And a special welcome to those who are visiting with us this morning. It's so great to have people visit with us. Uh, we trust and hope that you will feel relaxed and enjoy uh, this morning with us. Um, I'm really looking forward to sharing this message uh, today. Thank you to Josh and John and the other leaders at Hull Vineyard for giving me this opportunity. I I love being able to serve uh, the the Lord in this way. it's, it's, It's something that brings me great joy. Um, for those who don't know me, my name is Dennis Thompson. I'm married to Michelle. She's sitting over there. And I have four um, wonderful daughters, Ruth, Lucy, Sarah-Jane, and Kaylee. I had to check my notes to make sure that I got those right. Um, but I'm, I'm so grateful to God for these women in my life. They're such a blessing to me. Um, but not only um, are they a blessing to me, but they are also an integral part of God's call my life. They're very much uh, a part of God's purpose and plan for my life. You see, because God has created me for a purpose, they are very much a part of it, um, as are all the other parts of my life, as are all the other things that God has given me to do. Um, The Bible says that God has created us for good works that we should walk in them. Um, And wherever you find yourself this morning, wherever you find yourself right now, I just felt as I was preparing this message that the Holy Spirit wants to remind you, wants to encourage you um, that God has a purpose and a plan for your life. He has work for you to do. And so the title of my my talk this morning is Embracing Our Work. Um, Now, this is the last message uh, in the series on the book of Proverbs called Sacred Wisdom for a Secular Age. Um, And it really has been a great series so far. If you've missed any of the series, you can go and catch it up online Um, and uh, I've listened to all the messages, and they're just so full of life, so full of wisdom. They point us to Jesus, sometimes convicting, um, but really encouraging, them, uh, Encouraging, and I'd encourage you to go and look them up online. So God wants us to embrace the work that he has prepared for us to do. Um, if you have one takeaway this morning, it is this, that God has given us work to do, and work is a good thing. It is his intention that you will find great joy, blessing, and satisfaction in your work. And that you would be fruitful in the work that you are called to do. Now there may be some sitting with us this morning, or, or perhaps online, who for various reasons are not able to go out into the workplace. You you particular challenges or particular circumstances that make formal work or, or physical work very difficult for you, impossible for you at this time. I want to encourage you this morning, and I, and I trust that you too will find hope and encouragement through this message. You see, in God, there are, there are times and there are seasons, and, and also our Father uh, assigns value differently to the way the world does. And you may feel frustrated. You may um, perhaps maybe even feel insignificant in terms of um, the place that you find yourself in at the moment around your work. But God knows exactly where you are. He knows the work that he has for you to do in this season. Um, Perhaps maybe even it's a time of preparation for the next season, but he knows, and I trust that he will speak to you, and indeed all of us, and I trust that as he speaks to us this morning, that he will renew our passion and sense of purpose in him. So, aside from my family, the other aspect of the work that God has called me to is that I work in a school as a teacher and as a manager. Um, And although uh, aspects of my job or times of my job are very rewarding and very satisfying, um, just like being a father and and a husband, um, there are also times where work at school is physically and mentally and emotionally very challenging. It's it's often very stressful and exhausting, not much fun. Let's just say that there are times when I feel that this really sucks. Uh, What is the point of all of this? It just feels like hard, frustrating graft. Um, and as I've been preparing this message, I have really had to think very hard about what is going on in my heart. I've really had to think about my heart attitude towards work and the degree to which my thinking around work agrees uh, uh, with, with God's word, uh, the way in which my thinking agrees with the calling um, that God has, has placed and the things that God says about work. And I wonder if it is just for me, um, Or are there others in the room this morning or or online this morning with similar struggles? So I did a little bit of research. Um, I came across a recent study. This is post-pandemic, so it's a very recent study done by a recruitment company in the UK uh, called Indeed. And they surveyed 170,000 people. Uh, in the UK, working across 1,800 different organizations, um, across 25 different sectors. I didn't even know that there were 25 different sectors, but apparently there are. They were, and they were specifically looking at how happy people were in their working life. What factors contributed towards their job satisfaction, and how job satisfaction impacted the rest of their life. And the results were really interesting, were quite interesting, and I'm going to read out some of the statistics or some of the results that they came to in the research. They said, um, apparently, according to this research, only 27%, that's a quarter of people in the UK, reported being happy at work most of the time. So it's only a quarter of people seem to be happy in their work. 72% of people admitted that their workplace unhappiness had a negative impact on their health, on their physical health and their mental health. A third of people said that their their workplace unhappiness actually led to physical symptoms such as headaches, migraines, and insomnia. 22% of people admitted taking their work frustrations out on their families. Now, that's only 22% admitted to that. I'm sure there's a lot more than that. I'm sure we've all been there. Um, Following on from the pandemic... Half of workers, half of all workers, feel more motivated to make changes in their career. This is something that we've uh, come across before. Uh, 91% of these are, are people um, wanting to make or feeling motivated to make changes are actually going about um, planning to change jobs. And these are the things that are motivating them. They, they're looking for more money, uh, they're looking for a better work-life balance, whatever that's supposed to mean, um, and they're looking for more praise and recognition in their work. So my question is, can you relate to these statistics? Where do you find yourself at the moment in your working life? Are you uh, part of the 25% um, who love their job, who are happy in their work most of the time? Or are you part of the sort of 75% um, of people who find themselves unhappy, uh, dissatisfied, frustrated in their working life? For some, that frustration may be that they are not able to work. I have to admit that in this last season, I have found my work more of a burden than a blessing. And according to these statistics, I am not alone. The other thing about the statistics is they very much uh, seem to fit in with the narrative that we hear in the world today around the media um, and in terms of what people are saying in Western middle-class society. this is the kind of things that we are hearing. You know, work is something to be avoided, uh, and even hazardous to ourselves. We must be careful that we don't try and work too hard. Um, do you know that there are actually better jobs out there than the one you have? Um, your boss doesn't appreciate or value you enough. Your colleagues don't value the work that you're doing. You could be earning more money doing something else. Not working as hard, but earning more money. And the key to your happiness is a better work-life balance. That's a bit of a a buzz phrase that we hear in this day and age. But the thing is, the world has us caught between a rock and a hard place. Because so much of our sense of worth, so much of our sense of value uh, and identity is connected to the perceived importance of our work, or how su- successful we are in our career, or, or even how much money we are making. How many of you have felt this pressure before? To what extent have you bought into these narratives? And you know, I, I've felt this pressure. I know that Michelle, as, as, as a full-time mom, has felt this pressure before. But a really important question that we need to ask ourselves is are these narratives uh, that we are listening to, that we are feeling, that we we are, are walking together with, are they in agreement with God's word? Are they the things that he speaks over us in terms of work? Today we're going to look at what God says in his word in the book of Proverbs about the work that he has for us to do and we are going to try and answer three questions about work. Firstly, the question why, secondly, the question what, and thirdly, the question how. And I'm going to firstly look at the question why. And this goes to the heart of the matter. Why do we work? You know, why do we, all of us, uh, find ourselves in this world working? What is the point? Is work a good or is it a bad thing? Now, I came across a quote from a guy called Paul Tripp. He produced an excellent series of short videos that summarize the main topics covered in the book of Proverbs. And he had this to say about the topic of work in the book of Proverbs. He said, we have a culture that values doing as little as possible for as much as you can get paid rather than finding joy in the gifts and abilities that God has given me to work. Two very contradicting ideas. And this comment really struck me. It really, um, really, got, to, it really got to my heart. Because you see, is it true that God has given each of, each of us gifts and abilities so that we can do the work that he has called us to do is has God created us for the purpose of work and is it his will is it his desire that we are meant to find joy in and purpose in the work that he calls us to do So now the first three chapters in Genesis are often used by by Jesus and and the writers in the New Testament to explain God's original purpose and intentions and to bring some clarity and some truth um, to bear on issues that are often clouded uh, by the culture that we live in. Genesis 3 gives us uh, the account and the consequences of the fall. One of the consequences of the fall is that the nature of of our work in this world has become broken. It even says that our work has become cursed. And we can certainly see this playing out in the world today. But this isn't God's original plan for our work. In Genesis 1 and 2, the Bible tells us that God is a working God and that His work is good. And Jesus, speaking to the Pharisees in the book of John, said, My Father is always at work to this very day, and I too and working, Genesis 1 and 2 tells us that God created men and women, you and I, in his image, in his likeness. And he tells us to, he tells them, he tells us to be fruitful, to multiply, to subdue the earth, to, to have dominion over it. So just as our father it is at his work today, so too are we created for good work. He gives us work to do. Now obviously things went horribly wrong for mankind during the, during the fall. But God changes all of that for us through Christ. When we put our faith in Jesus Christ, God's original purpose is fully restored. And I'd like to read to you about this incredible redemption and restoration in the book of Ephesus, uh, Ephesians. And this is the gospel story. This is such an incredible thing. These are the things that God speaks over us. And let's just, let's just read them. And I wonder if, you, you know, as I read them, just... You know, close your eyes and just try and take this in. Try and take in the the wonder and the mystery and the greatness and the glory of God's promises over you. So Ephesians 2, verse 1 to 10. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of power of the air. And the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. Carrying out the deeds of the body and the mind. And we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our transgressions or in our trespasses. Made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated, and he seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepares for us beforehand, that we should walk in them. We have been created for good works. God is redeeming us He is restoring us. He's restoring us to our original purpose, to his original plans for us, that we should walk in the good works that he has planned and prepared for us. So Proverbs 10 verse five says this, he who gathers in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who brings shame. Now, I'd often thought, when I read, I've, I've read Proverbs many times, and I'd often, I often read it in a way where I'm thinking about human relationships, the relationships between human beings and earthly sort of things, and, and, and that's really true, it's a good way to read uh, Proverbs, you know, it, it's quite sort of practical, when a son or a daughter works hard, when they are diligent, um, their parents are proud of them, they, you know, they honour their parents in the way that they work, but when they are, when they are lazy, when they don't do any work, it's not a good thing you know I've never sat down at a parent's evening as a school teacher and said uh, to to a parent that I'm meeting with uh, you know your your child does as as little as possible in lessons you must be really proud of them (laughs) Um, you know I don't think that's something that uh, that we can all connect with that we can all identify with that but as Christians I want to ask you a question who is your father who are you representing As a son, as a daughter, as a child of God, who is your father? Our father is the God of the heavens, who even to this day is still working. He's a working God. When we join him in his work by embracing the work that he has given us, it honors him. People who know us to be his children see him reflected in us when we are faithful and diligent to do the work that he has called us to do. We are faithful to do the work in excellent ways. But when we are slack in, it in our work, it dishonors him. It gives people the wrong perspective of who our father is. We are meant to reflect the goodness and the wisdom of his original creation of the world to the people around us. He has sent us out in the world to reflect what he is like to others. Proverbs 10 uh, verse 26 says, Like vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so a sluggard is to those who... Who send him. And I don't know if you've ever caught, uh, when you've been maybe making pickles or something like that, Michelle's been uh, picking a lot of the stuff that's coming off the allotment, but, but vinegar, when it goes into your eyes, it catches your eyes, it makes your eyes water. If you're standing around a, a wood fire and you, you, you get caught by that smoke, it's like a shock to your eyes. Um, and so once again, let's consider this verse in terms of our relationship with the Father. Let's consider this verse in terms of our relationship with Jesus. In the book of John, Jesus, speaking to his disciples, said this, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so even so, I am sending you. God sends us as messengers into the world. And I want to ask you a question, where do we spend most of our time in this world? Well, we spend most of us our time in this world with our families, and we spend it in our places of work. And this is where we will find the good works that God has prepared for us to do. These are the people that Jesus is sending us to. So let us be faithful messengers. Uh, let us work in ways that bring credit to the one who has sent us. every day, in our homes. At our workplace, we have the opportunity, in our families, we have an opportunity to reflect the goodness and greatness of our Father in heaven to the people we work with by the work that we do. And you know, it doesn't matter how small or seemingly unimportant um, that work may seem to you. Can I just tell you that it's important to Him? It matters to Him. So whatever you do, do it with diligence, do it with excellence, and it honors the one who who has sent you. Two very similar scriptures from the book of Proverbs, uh, Proverbs chapter 12, and 11, and Proverbs chapter 28, verse 19. It's interesting that the writer of Proverbs felt uh, to write this down twice for us. They give a slightly different nuance. Uh, but Proverbs 12, 11 says, Whoever works this land will have plenty of bread. Sorry, whoever works his land will have plenty of bread. But who follows worthless pursuits lacks sense. Proverbs 28, verse 19 says, Whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but whoever follows worthless pursuits will have plenty of poverty. Now, I don't know if there are any farmers in the room this morning. Are there any farmers? If there are any farmers, just wave at me. I'm quite interested to see. I, I like farmers. Anyway, I come from a farming background. I grew up in a farming community. But uh, clearly, not many of us this morning are farmers. But the picture here describes the sphere in which God has placed you. Okay, so um, there is, he has, in a sense, given, given each of us a piece of land to work, um, He has given us each, he's assigned for us, each of us, different work to do. Now, for each of us, that is going to be different. different. Um, for each of us, we have a different patch of land to work. Nevertheless, God has prepared good works for us in advance that we should work in them. If you are sitting here this morning, if you are in Christ, if you have a relationship with Jesus, God has prepared good work for you to do your own particular piece of land and when we yield to him in faith uh, when we draw strength from him uh, to do this work diligently we step into the abundance of uh, his provision for us the problem is that the world or the spirit at work in this world is constantly trying to pull us away from the work that God has created us to do, the good work that He's created us to do. And so we end up pursuing worthless pursuits. Worthless pursuits can, can be any distraction that prevents us from doing the work that He has created us for. What is that distraction for you? What is distracting you from working the land that he has given to you? It could be the pursuit of lifestyle. I've been caught there before. Perhaps maybe it's envy, you know, how oh, that person's got a wonderful job. I wish I was doing something like that. Maybe it's just simply laziness, just not being obedient to the Lord, not doing the things that he's called, called you to do. Or, or, or maybe it's a, it's a loss of faith in his purpose for your life. Maybe it's, diffi- maybe it's discouragement because of the difficulties that you are facing. And, so, and let's, let's, let's be honest, some of, some of you are facing real difficulties in terms of your walk with the Lord, in terms of just getting on with the life that he's called you to live. For me, sometimes the thing that keeps me from walking in the good works that he has for me is simply that I, I, I fail to recognize that what is in front of me is the work that he's given me to do. Often, uh, this is because I don't recognize that the work that I'm doing is perhaps maybe important to Him. I don't see it as important to Him. And so this brings me to the next question, what? What is the scope of the work that we are given? What does it look like? What work is important to God? Colossians 3.23 says this. It says, whatever you do, work, heart- work heartedly. As for the Lord and not for, man, not for men, whatever you do, work heartedly, uh, whether that is raising a family, whether that is earning a living, whether that is volunteering, serving in god 's house, caring for the poor, maintaining your property, this morning, I had to take the dog for a walk, walking the dog, leading, hosting, being generous. Praying for others, really, really important work. Worshipping God, spending time in his presence, discipling others. All the work that needs doing is important. All the work that needs doing is good. And when it is done diligently, it glorifies our Father. When we fail to recognize this, we become distracted, we become discouraged. And even uh, some of us begin to, at times, resent some of the work that our Father has given us because we don't recognize it as work that He has given us to do. And I believe this really speaks into this whole sort of idea of work-life balance. You know, um, God brings peace Uh, He brings joy and balance to our working life, but I think not in the same way that the world thinks. I think we've got to be careful of this idea of work-life balance. Proverbs 31 describes the picture of a woman who is commended for her character and and her work. And in Proverbs 31, 31, it says this, give her the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. Now, what exactly was the work that she was doing? Um, the passage before describes a list of everyday, ordinary things that she was doing. But she was doing them with excellence, and she was doing them with diligence. So what were the things that she was doing? She was caring for her family. She was caring for the poor. She was rising early and working late. She was teaching and discipling her children. She was managing her household and and she obviously had servants or we might think in terms of contractors, people who come and do work at our home. Um, She was managing them fairly and faithfully faithfully and with honor. She ran a business on the side to contribute to the household income. She spent time and care decorating her home, uh, making it practical and hospitable so that it could be used to serve others and to bless others. She loved and served her husband. She maintained an active faith and devotion to the Lord. This was a a primary part of her her work, waiting on the Lord um, for a sense of purpose, a sense of direction, a sense of strength. All of this is her work, all of this, and for all of us, our work is the same. So whether at the office, uh, whether at home, whether at church uh, or in the community, or in our quiet place before the Lord whether we have high capacity some people are just incredibly high capacity God has blessed them um, or whether we have real struggles God has meaningful and fruitful work for each of us to do and this brings me on to my final question how is the work sorry if the work from God is a good thing then how should we work What are some of the godly principles or values that we should seek to nurture in the work that he has called us to do? Now, this is not going to be an exhaustive uh, study Um, for the sake of time. John's very relieved. Um, But I do want to look briefly at a few scriptures in Proverbs that talk about the way in which we can work uh, that that reflects the character and the nature of our Father in heaven. So let's look then firstly at, at Proverbs 12, verse 14. And it says this, from the fruit of his mouth, a man is satisfied with good. And the work of, his, of a man's hands comes back to him. In your places of work, how are you speaking and how are you working? So the first thing is, how are you speaking? Two weeks ago, Rachel shared about the power of our words. And it, it was really an excellent Excellent message. But how do you speak about your job? How do you speak about your boss? How do you speak about your work colleagues or your customers or the people that you serve? What about when we're working at home um, with our families and, and, and doing the work that's required there? How do we speak about our spouse? How do we speak about our kids, our children? Are you negative and critical? Are you rude, irritable, and impatient? How, do we, how we speak about our work has direct consequences on the outcome of our work. And I've caught myself at times uh, being trapped in a negative dialogue about the work that God has given me to do. Jesus said, out of the overflow of our hearts, our mouth speaks. Can you see how when we buy into the negative or false narrative of the world in relation to work how it begins to erode the sense of joy and sense of purpose that we find in our work and that we find in the work that God has given us to do but when we get our hearts right before God this impacts on the way that we speak The things that we speak, the good things that we begin to speak over our lives, over our work, impacts our work and then unlocks the grace, the power of God, the strength of God, and the joy of God to keep us going in the jobs that He's called us to do. This brings satisfaction. We eat from the things that we speak, we are satisfied by the things that we speak. The next thing is that the work of a man's hands comes back to him. How well are you working? Are you seeking to go about your work with excellence? Is this something that you are doing? How faithful are you with your time? How responsible are you? Can you be counted on? Are you willing to go the extra mile? Are you faithful with the resources that you have been given, that the Lord has entrusted you to? All of this will ultimately come back to us in the outcome of our work and also... The people that we work with, um, depending on how we work, they will see the Father reflected in our work, or they may see someone else. And there's a proverb, I didn't really want to go into it now, but I'm just going to mention it, it says, who is, he who is slack in his work is brother to one who destroys. Does that sound like somebody familiar? Satan is one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And so there's a, different work, there's a different spirit at work in us when we are slack in our work. Proverbs 22 verse 29 says, do you see a man skillful in his work? He will stand, and I'm going to end with this, this proverb, he will stand before kings, he will not stand before obscure men. So just like the woman in Proverbs 31, our work commends us. Doing our work wholeheartedly and thereby cultivating a skillfulness skillfulness and excellence in the way that we work is to our credit. It's a good thing. It's a noble thing. It singles us out. There's, There's something different about us. We read in Paul's letter to the Ephesians that we have been made alive together with Christ. We have been made brand new. Elsewhere, uh, Paul writes that Christ is being formed in us. Our Father in heaven, Jesus Christ, our God is being formed in us and we are being recreated in his likeness. I want to ask you this morning do you feel discouraged or frustrated in your work? If you are, I would encourage you to, to, to draw close to him, draw near. To your Lord, Waiting on God is a huge part of the work that we are called to do. In fact, this is where the work that we are called to do starts. This is where it begins, waiting on God, coming close to Him, putting your faith in Him, waiting on Him to, to breathe that sense of purpose and that sense of strength and that sense of, of life into the work that He's called you to do so that you can carry out what he's planned for you to do with a sense of excellence. Now, not many of us uh, sitting here this morning or online are, are necessarily going to achieve an OBE for our work. Um, some may, um, uh, but we may never get any kind of recognition for the work that we're doing in this life. Um, we might not get recognition from our bosses. might not even get recognition from those we care for, those we, we serve. Um, but I do want to tell you that God notices. He sees. And we will get, one day we will get recognition for it. We may never end up standing before the king or the queen, or or, or kings, or queens, or important people, but one day we will stand before the King of kings and the Lord of lords, our Lord Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to hear him say to me, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over the little. I will set you over much. Enjoy, enter into the joy of your master. Those are the words that I would like to hear one day